When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future. Welcome back to Draft Fuzz, everybody. It is I. I am Walter. We are here. And uh, we're coming up. We're just a little bit over a week from the draft. And uh, I'm still going to be doing prospects, but no prospects today, everybody. Uh, we're going to give the prospects a break. We'll say hi to them tomorrow. Uh, today, today we're doing uh, a look forward. Still, another episode of a look forward. Look forward to a couple of NFL teams. I know free agency is coming, basically gone. We're now at the, the dregs of free agency. Although there's still players who haven't been signed, important players, pretty players, amazing players who are still out there on the market, so maybe we find them a home. Uh, but we're close to the draft. But th we could also kind of give a prospectus of what some of these teams have done in free agency and how it might affect their draft. So uh, right off the bat, top one uh, is the Seattle Seahawks, who, like, when you look at what they've done in free agency, it doesn't seem like much, but they're usually late bloomers to free agency. Like, if you've noticed this, they usually get guys who are looking for one-year deals at, like, $5 million a year, like – like last year, they you know they got uh, uh, the Ezekiel Ansa as, as a defensive end, and they got him kind of late. I think they got him post draft. They uh, and then they also traded for Jadavian Clowney right before the season. So they just find ways of finding guys, right? Like they they just seem to go ahead and circle up some like new players and and build up. I, they don't. They don't panic, is what I'm saying, folks. They and the like, Seattle and the Patriots, they do not panic. They they go, listen, we know what we want to do. They might fire everybody. They might hire brand new people. They might redo the whole room, but they they do not panic for some weird reason. Even when they do that, they're not panicking. So uh, Seattle did a lot of. They lost some guys in free agency. Jadavian Clowney still a free agent. But let's talk about moves they have made, right? They uh, they re-signed Mike Capati. Uh, that was a move that literally happened today, everybody. They uh, they signed Philip Dorsett. This was relatively early on in uh, free agency, right? Philip Dorsett, uh, kind of a speed guy, but never really could get open considering he can run a 4-3. But, like, think about it. Now you get to pair him up with, with uh, Tyler Lockett. Right, he and uh, and DK Metcalf. He's not your number one receiver. He's not your number two receiver. He's like your number three receiver on a small contract. Perfect situation. Good for what they like doing, getting the ball deep downfield. Very vertical game for uh, Seattle. I'm kind of liking this move. I like Philip Dorsett. I like the fit in the offense. And again, it wasn't an expensive move. None of the moves that Seattle does is expensive. So. Uh, I thought that was a good move. Again, like it kind of now you have a bunch of extremely fast receivers that are going to be running deep downfield routes for you. I think that's great for Russell Wilson. Could open up the run game. Now, speaking of the run game, they have two running backs on their roster who are kind of injured, right? Chris Carson, and they said he'll probably be back for Week One. And Rashad Penny's coming off a torn ACL when Rashad Penny was finally starting to show. Feel bad for Rashad Penny, but. uh yeah, Rashad Penny and uh, Chris Carson aren't that healthy. They didn't sign another running back. I don't think they're looking to be too desperate on that, but it might be one of those things we talk about in the draft. In fact, yesterday we did an episode. We, uh, we as if there's more people here because of quarantine. 
I did an episode uh, yesterday, although I've consulted. I've consulted with some of our friends. You remember Shane? He was. Uh, I talked to him uh, about some of the prospects uh, and including some of the ones that I mentioned on uh, yesterday's episode about the running backs. And now uh, I, and I think there's some uh, running backs that they might find like late day two or early day three that they might look into as far as potential prospects to fill out their roster or, you know, even like late day three. Uh, they also acquired Quinton Dunbar from the Red, uh, from the Washington uh, Snyder team uh, for a fifth-round pick. I think that's a pretty good deal. Like, they traded for him. Uh, it was basically the same pick they traded for Kyle Allen. They got, basically, they swapped uh, Quinton Dunbar for Kyle Allen. Yeah, I know, right? Like, that sounds like an expense. You know, like, they, they flipped, basically, Quinton Dunbar to Seattle, and that fifth-round pick went to Carolina. So... Eh, Redskins got to be the the circular wheel in all this. Uh, as far as Quentin Dunbar goes, I like Quentin Dunbar. Very good corner. Kind of played uh, a, a very good role in uh, in Washington. In fact, was probably one of their best secondary players in Washington. And it's an interesting fit. You know, he's going to go over to Seattle. You know, maybe help fill out their defensive back room. I, I think that was a good move on Seattle's part. That's another thing Seattle does. Is they flip guys or you know they 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 start like them and the Patriots they do the pick swaps they trade late round picks for guys and they just find some extra depth at veteran players that like maybe like hey okay this guy might leave in a year or two but like a fifth round pick that guy's not gonna make the roster anyway so let's have some like reassurance that we're going into next year with maybe a solid player that might not be there the following year so uh, they also signed a bunch of like uh, you could see they were going after the offensive line this year but they were going after it, like, cheap. They didn't want to, like, overspend on a guy. They know they've got Dwayne Brown on the left side. So what they did is they signed Brandon Shell, formerly of the, the Jets. They signed Chance Warmack, who, was, uh, who spent, like, the year out of the NFL. He's an offensive guard. Uh, they went ahead and signed uh, Cedric Obwehi, uh also a former tackle, former tackle who was on uh, Jacksonville. I mean, I got to tell you, if Doug Marone don't like you, and a lot of uh, coaches are going to like it. But, you know, Cedric Obway, he, you know, maybe he develops a little bit more. Uh, you know, can take some years to go ahead and develop as a tackle in the NFL. We saw it with Greg Robinson, and then hopefully he doesn't have the uh, ancillary career that Greg Robinson had, right? So I, I, I'm not uh, anti uh, he as a, as a prospective signing. Brandon Shell also a tackle from the, the Jets I mentioned. Uh they uh, they got to reunite with one of their lost loves. They got Bruce Irvin back, defensive rusher and slash linebacker hybrid. Uh, usually played Sam, and then we'll go ahead and kick to defensive end on rushdowns. So they get him back. He you know he was in Carolina for a little bit. Now he's in uh, Seattle again. Back to the beginning, I guess. Uh, they re-signed Luke Wilson. You know Owen Wilson's brother, who knew he was playing in the NFL. But uh, yeah, they got him in. Uh, maybe he, you know, he'll he'll take a break from the acting career. I'm sure they get that joke a lot. And uh, so Luke Wilson's now uh, back with is continuing his career with the Seahawks, tight end. And we've, you know, you probably see him every once like a game or two, where you're like, oh, I forgot that guy was in the NFL, because like you know, they're always looking for a guy who's better than Luke Wilson. We're always looking for a guy who's better than Luke Wilson. His name is Owen. Anyway. Um, and they re the real big signing, the big re-signing for them was Jaron Reed, D-Tackle, who actually spent uh, quite a few uh, games suspended this year for PEDs. 
So I'm a little shocked that they were willing to give him a big deal. But hey, you know what? Uh, if you, you're willing to take the risk, you know he's willing. You know they put some uh, out clauses in there for voiding of guarantees if he goes ahead and you know gets suspended again. Uh, probably not a bad deal. Really good run stopper for him. Really good D tackle. It was probably not the worst idea in the world to get him back in the room. So Seattle, Seattle's one of those teams that it's like, it's it's weird. There's some teams that you look at the like the the players around them and you get excited, right? The only guy who gets you really excited about Seattle is maybe DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson on the the offensive side and the defensive side. You're kind of like, how does this work? They're super glue. They like just find guys to fit the system. They tweak it a bit. They go ahead and add some things. They use a little bit of their extra sauce. They even like released a couple of guys too. We're gonna get into the the releases as well when we get to the, the free agents that left. Um, but like again, like it's a very weird. Uh, it's a really weird team because they're always like you will look at their roster and be like, well, who is on here other than Russell Wilson? But like, guess what? When you have Russell Wilson and uh, the scheme that they run on defense and Pete Carroll is your coach. And again, Russell Wilson, you always have a chance with Russell Wilson. Right. And I'm not just talking because he could run. He's always, he's got the great arm. He's got he's a decent runner. He's uh, elusive. And again, like they just find ways of winning. Sometimes it's it, and there's some games that they win that they probably shouldn't even be winning, but they win against teams that probably are immensely more talented. But they just find a way to get it done, and all that comes right back down to Russell Wilson. So Seattle, it all comes down to him. Uh, I honestly, you know, Seattle. I don't know how often they draft in the first round, right? Like they always trade down and shit. Uh, it's weird because you'll always look at their team and be like, yeah, they do have a lot of, like, issues, don't they? And they just still seem not to be overly eager to draft in the top of the – like again, because they're usually drafting towards the second half of the first round. So uh, the difference between a first-round pick at, the, like, thir- like, 28 and then, like, the 35th pick is not much. So when you're drafting at 24 and you trade down or 26 and you trade down, you can accumulate a pick for eight spots later and maybe get a fourth-rounder. That's a big thing in their book, and it's given them a lot of extra players over the years, and it's given them a lot of leeway to kind of, like, take swings on guys in the draft and maybe take guys who maybe don't fit every team's roster. So they uh, – I was saying before, they basically – they lost uh, Jadavian Clowney to free agency. Ezekiel Ansia is uh, – not quite sure if he's even still, like, alive – so they're gonna wanna like they drafted uh, 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 uh they drafted a guy last year who is a pass rusher DN, so you're hoping he develops. But they uh I you know, I, I think the Irving pickup might help a little bit with the pass rush issues they were having last year. Uh it doesn't sound like they're reuniting with Jadavian Clowney again. I know they were kinda interested, but I don't think they were interested in his asking price. And now you're further and further down the line, and you're like, you know what? Let's wait till after next week, and then we talk. Um, the, you know, there's a couple of other guys out there. Everson Griffin's a name that's been thrown out there. I think that's a very interesting name. Um, again, this is another kind of player that they would target. Is a guy who's maybe a little bit older, but uh, has some 
still some skill to him. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you're trying to take a flyer on a cheaper contract and build out the trenches. So Everson Griffin's a name. Michael Bennett's also a potential name for them to reunite with their former uh, defensive lineman who has openly said he would return to Seattle and like to end his career in Seattle. But we all know it's all about price with a lot of these people, a lot of, you know, and a lot of these teams. It's all, you know, what can I get you for, right? Um, you know, they lost George Fant. That was a big cry fest, I bet. Uh, Jets are probably not going to be happy with him either. And uh, they released Tetrick Thompson and Ed Dixon. Ed Dixon. Can't believe they released Ed Dixon with that kind of name. And Tedrick Thompson, who's played free safety for them okay. like And I guess because they, they trade for safety last year during the season. So uh, with Glover Quinn in the house, Tedrick Thompson probably not getting a lot of play. You know, they're like, you know what, we'll let you go ahead and find another team. He hasn't found another team yet. You know, he'll probably find one eventually. So I'm not, I'm not totally worried as far as what they've got. It seems like at least defensive backfield's a little bit better than they were last year. Uh, when you look at all the pieces around, right, with uh, Quentin Dunbar in and uh, and uh, Glover Quinn now going to be in for the the rest of the season, uh, for this full season, it, it's you know I'm still worried about the defensive line, but they always seem again they find like hey like you're uh, they 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 also seem to be a targeted destination for some teams, right? Uh, some for some players, right? Like uh, that was uh, Jadavian Clowney wanted to go to Seattle last year. Like, that was one of his top three choices. Why? Because they have a, a methodology of encouraging players to be themselves. There's a, like, you know, as opposed to the Patriot way, right? They got their own uh, way, and it is, listen, we're going to let you be you, but you got to show up. We want a bunch of alphas on the field, so you better show up and be an alpha, and we will let you be the alpha that you are. So, and I kind of always like that about Pete Carroll. I've always liked that about their team. I think that's made them a very, uh, very unique dynamic team. Very, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Like it's just it's made them different than everybody else. It's it's made them, and sometimes it's given them a headache. And then they kind of refurbish and they refresh and they get rid of a couple of guys and they get some new guys in the room. And I just think it works. It's like we want to find guys who want to to play their strengths. We want a bunch of leaders in the room, right? And uh, whereas like you go to New England, they want a bunch of followers. They want everybody who's going to do what's best for the team, and it's it just shows that there's multiple opportunities, multiple methodologies to getting to be at least a semi-successful perennial team in the NFL. Seattle is consistently in the playoffs, and it shows why. Uh, with their, they have a very, they have a value system for what they value at defensive line, for what they value at cornerback, for what they value at safety, and how they play. And it just seems like, again, uh, the offense has been the, the the weird turn. It's been the part where they've been kind of changing it up every few years. One year they're running a spread system, then they're running a power run game, and then they're doing this, and then they're doing that. And you got Russell Wilson, so he kind of, like, when it comes down to everything falling apart, it's just get the ball to Russell Wilson and let him make the decision. And basically that's how it all ends up going anyway. So uh, Seattle is, a, like I said, always a unique team. And, you know, they could be in this draft, they could easily, I think they're going to trade out of the first round. I think everybody's probably thinking they're going to trade out of the first round because they do it almost every other year. Them and the Patriots, it, it, it seems like they're allergic to, tra uh, to to taking picks in the first round. But again, like I said before, it allows them to accumulate players. 
And it's how they were able to get guys like, you know, DK Metcalf and not worry about taking a you know, taking him at the end of the second round last year where everybody else is kind of worried about him. You know, it gives you the ability to take a, a good shot on a maybe more risky player that uh, everybody else is freaking out about. So maybe they go, I, you know, again, when you look at their needs, I could see, you know, clearly they're addressing offensive line and free agency, but in a way that doesn't make me think that they are going to absolutely go offensive line in the draft. Uh, you know, they pay Brit, so they got their center. It seems like they're just trying to find spot stars. It seems like they're trying to do what the Bills did last year and the, they do every few years is, you know, just find guys to play in, stick here, play there. This guy does well. This guy does okay. We're just trying to be average. And, uh, you know, going to try to run the ball and, you know, make everybody be honest about it. So, I don't know. I, I like Seattle. I've always kind of liked Seattle as a uh, as from what I've been able to learn from their team building. Uh, they're not the team of old because of what they were, used to be able to do was amazing. But they're still, like, again, they're still perennial playoff contenders. They, they still, you know, they are a threat against any team. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. They are a threat. So, and that, talking to you, San Fran. Anyway, uh, let's move on, right? We're, uh, we're on the West Coast at this point. We're talking about uh, Seattle. Let's move a little bit south from Seattle. We're going to talk about the Raiders. No longer in Oakland, now going to be in Vegas. Although, who knows, right? Never know. Mm. But still, uh, it's, they've officially now relabeled as the Las Vegas Raiders. Get to talk about John Gruden and uh, Mike Mayock. Right, so uh, uh, you can't talk about this team without talking about the the Khalil Mack trade, right? And what did that net them? It net them, you know, Jonathan Abram, and uh, was that the guy or is that Josh Jacobs? Like again, they trade a lot of guys. They got a lot of extra first round picks between trading away Amari Cooper, trading away Khalil Mack, and honestly, I think it's worked out for them partially, but. I don't know. In the long run, you got rid of a defensive end, and you got, like, yeah, Cleveland Farrell, I guess you kind of have to include in that because they tr they took him at the top of the, the first round, and they were thinking this was going to be the guy to replace Khalil Mack. I, I, it's weird. It's like I like some of the moves that they do, right? And then I honestly, with the Raiders, I get very perplexed. But uh, let's talk about some, uh, like, free agency moves with the Raiders, right? They did a lot of things, right? They signed Marcus Mariota, right? We talked about this at the free agency period. They signed Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton. Why? I actually think this was a good idea. Um, linebacker, paying peak for, like, paying top end for linebacker, right, is like $10 million, $11 million, right? That didn't really cost them that much, and a lot less than what it cost the Jets to sign C.J. Mosley last year. McCagnon. I, I, you know, it's like one of those guys that I just, I don't get how you just let him keep going, right? Um, and luckily, he's not going anymore in the NFL. But back to the Raiders. Uh, it, it's actually a smart team-building idea to invest money in linebacker, depending. Depending on what your money is getting invested in, right? Um, they don't have a lot of money invested on the defensive line, right? They've got picks. Well, they did spend a little bit of money. They signed Carl Nassib, former uh, Cleveland Brown and Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and uh, a defensive end, uh, outside linebacker, pass rusher guy. And 
so they have a little bit of money tied up in the in the D line, but not really a lot, right? So when you don't have a lot of money tied up in the the defensive line, you get a lot of rookies that are usually in that defensive line rotation. Um, O'Shane Zimenez played really well for them. Uh, was that who they had, or is it the other guy? Uh, you know they have uh, Cleveland Farrell. They have Maurice Hurst, who you know fell the fifth round to them a couple of years ago. I liked him coming out. He's played very well for them. The, they got Damian Harrison, who's you know not a huge contract, but plays pretty well for them. So they got like a lot of these guys who, when you're not super invested on the defensive line, it lets you you know kind of play up the the coverage aspects of the rest, right? Gives you some time to hit the the quarterback, basically, right? Maybe we could throw some blitzes in there. Um, so the, like the roster building, it seems like they at least now have an idea. It didn't seem like they had a plan years ago, right? It just seemed like they were like, this is what we like, and we're going to go with this. And it didn't seem like there was a real plan. It didn't seem like they were using, like, smart roster construction. It's like my issue with Dave Gettleman and the Giants, right? So with uh, with John Gruden and Mike Mayock and the Oakland Raiders, it, it this idea to spend a, uh, spend a little bit at linebacker, especially when you don't have a lot invested at defensive line or corner, seems to be like, actually a relatively bright move because you're not spending like top end corner money which is a lot more or top end defensive line money which is like eight million more so you might be saving a full player by getting something more out of it it's just uh it's one of those things that i always like kind of being uh aware of is like sometimes the strategy of what you're your positional spending is, and they went after two off-the-ball, very good coverage linebackers, meaning they're probably not going to spend uh, a high pick on a linebacker in this draft, which a lot of people were towards the end of the, you know, pegging them for one at the end of the first round. Now, they don't need to. They have two really good ones. Um, I was, uh, they, uh, they signed safety Demarius Randall. They signed Eric Cush, formerly of the Browns. Uh, just like, again, like Demarius Randall's a good, you know, free safety player. Uh, now they can keep LaMarcus Joyner in the slot. I don't know why you do that. He played better at free safety. So, honestly, I'd be playing Demarius Randall in the slot and, and playing uh, LaMarcus Joyner at free safety. But either way, you have now a good safety rotation, and you're going to have the ability to, you know, a lot of good flexibility between both of those guys. Demarius Randall could also play corner. He has played corner in the past. He's never been really an amazing corner, but he's been a solid, like, you know, average corner when he's played. You're probably not really happy that you have him playing corner. You'd probably prefer him at free safety because he's played pretty damn well on, you know, occasions at safety. He's not always been good at safety, but he's been much better at safety, in my opinion, than he's been at corner. So uh, they also signed safety Jeff Heath, formerly the Cowboys. He's more of a... Uh, uh, a, a depth piece at safety. They spent a lot of weird money on safety this year, right? Um, now, again, Demarius Randall was a later signing, so I think they were trying to just take a, like a spot hit on him. They're like, you know what? Let's see what we can get out of him. Uh, they also signed Malik Collins, again, another Cowboy. They signed three Cowboys, actually. Malik Collins, and they signed uh, tight end Jason Witten, right? And they also have, we are talking before about safeties, they also have Jonathan Abrams on the, the roster, who they drafted last year, and then they also drafted Josh Jacobs last year in the first round. Um, Trayvon Mullen play, uh, you know, came on kind of at the end of the year last year. So they still have, like, maybe a missing spot at corner. They, uh, you know, at the other end of the corner. 
They have a decent linebacking core, some interesting defensive linemen, but nobody that like makes you feel really happy about. Um, but the real issue for this team has been offense. It's been offense the whole time. Like I've been, I've been burying the lead here, everybody. The offense is kind of, it's it's been, and I know, I know they they signed Marcus Mariota and Jason Witten, and that could be a very good combination, or it could be just whatever, right? Actually, well, this kind of brings up a good question. Now it sounds like Marcus Mariota might Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, which sounds like I'm using way too many guys' first names as a as a verb. So anyway, Marcus Mariota, former quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, former second overall pick, is uh, going to be backing up Derek Carr, and I can imagine Derek Carr is not going to have a huge leash. Apparently, like the the, the Raiders said, listen, we're putting uh, an opportunity on the field, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to take a guy like uh, you know give us like Marcus Mariota the opportunity to pop up and be really good, and then maybe they could trade away Derek Carr next year to maybe the Patriots, right? If the if they see something good out of him. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of options out of it, but still, there's you know Darren Waller was like their best pass catcher last year, right? Josh Jacobs played really well. Their offensive line came together. Uh, Colton Miller's developed pretty well. Uh, Trent Brown's played really well on the other side. So, and then they got Hudson, who's played very well for him since they signed him and stole him from the Kansas City Chiefs. I kind of like, I, and he's been there for quite a few years. I liked him being there for the longest time before you know the the new regime came in so offensive line looks good uh quarterback at least you got now an interesting kind of competition sitting in that quarterback room and now you got question mark really only at receiver right well this is a great receiver draft right they've got you know you got a guy like jerry judy right i was uh, i'm actually doing receiver tape uh you know for tomorrow the next time you will be seeing me i'll be doing receivers right and uh, there's a lot of guys at the top of this draft. Jerry Judy kind of reminds me a little bit of Mari Cooper, uh, Calvin Ridley-esque kind of player. And uh, good route runner. I, I can't get really too deep into everybody who's uh, available past the, these picks, but there's a lot of guys in this draft. Uh, you know, if you're taking top 12, you have opportunities uh, of taking guys like uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy. And keep in mind, they have two first-round picks this year too. No second rounder, and then three third rounders. So they got a lot of, they got quite a few picks to play around with. Uh, there is going to be a gap between their second first-round pick and then their first pick in the third round. So they might want to be careful, or they might want to trade down and even maybe accumulate a little bit more. But that that top twelve pick, I think they're going to be targeting a really special player. I mentioned Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, again another guy who you watch him again. He's just a bully. He's an amazing to watch receiver. He, he's probably the guy who's got the highest ceiling in this draft class as far as receiver goes. Uh, a bully, a good route runner, good off getting off the line of scrimmage, great ball tracker, good at contested catches. Like, everything you want him to be good at, he's good at. So, you know, the comp to him is a lot of times DeAndre Hopkins. He, he's a very interesting, unique, uh, honestly amazing prospect to watch. And I think if they get either one of those two guys, they're going to be happy. Uh, there's potential to go for rugs, but honestly, if you have Tyrell Williams there, right, another guy who's a fast downfield receiver, hopefully he comes back and is healthy. They got Hunter Renfro, who's played pretty well from the slot. I think what they should probably do is at least hope to get CeeDee Lamb. You know, hope is not an answer, but hope is actually just a thing you say. I hope to get this guy. I think the you know the target should be CeeDee Lamb. 
if not Jerry Judy, both those guys, uh, top 12 pick, I, I would lock it in. That would be perfect for what the Raiders need. And it really fits, like, basically the lo- last big wart on their 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 uh, offense, right? It's really the, the big issue for this team. You can't say your team is, uh, is not performing anymore because there's just too much available good talent at this point. So that's uh, who I see them taking in the top of the first round. And then, like, you look towards the end of the first round, it, the the talent drop off of elite premier talent is probably gone by 19, but there might be some options there at 19 as well. Um, it's it depends on how things fall. It depends on how players kind of like kind of drop off, right? If they don't end up taking uh, a uh, receiver top 12, there's got to probably be a reason. Did they take a guy like did Isaiah Simmons fall to 12? Did, you know, I doubt Akuda falls to 12, but there's always that Laramie Tunsil opportunity, right? You just never know who's going to fall, you know. Uh, but even still, you go to 19, and like I said, there's probably 16 good players in this draft, um, maybe 15. And when you, but there's always the guy who gets reached for, right? So you get to 19, and you know, is it a D tackle? Is it like a Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown? Because I think they would love one of those guys. Uh, just another, you know, interior presence to help push the pocket. Uh, more so from Kinlaw than I think from Derek Brown. Uh, I think corner, though, right? This draft, it, it's very interesting corner class, right? And it depends on what kind of scheme you want to run. There's a lot of different flavors of corner, and there's a lot of uh, opportunity, right? There's Okuda, who's probably going to go in the top 10. There's Henderson, who a lot of people are pegging now as the two because he plays really well in man coverage. And uh, there's Fulton, who a lot of time, for a good portion of time, people had as the number two uh, corner in this draft class. And he's very much a more versatile, can fit both in man and zone, uh, you know, because they played a lot of everything over at LSU. So with these, like, kind of options and opportunities, kind of, like, I think the, the corner pick is going to come at 19 because I do think they need a corner now they might get to 19 and be like well there's nobody we truly like here maybe we trade down maybe like I was saying before get an extra fourth round pick uh, I'm sure there's a lot of or if they're looking to maybe again get a quarterback right you know just because you sign, I think signing Marcus Mariota means that you're not happy with Carr right and you're looking to at least build up a competition in there we get three third round picks and there's a lot of interesting day two quarterbacks in this draft Jalen Hurst, uh, Jake Fromm, and those are guys that, like, although Jake Fromm's probably the low end of Derek Carr, it's what you don't like out of Derek Carr, to be honest, is what you're getting from Jake Fromm, is, uh, you know, kind of check down Charlie, not throwing it deep all the time, not getting into where you want it to go, but uh, I think Jake Fromm, there had to have been a reason, because Jake Fromm played a lot better in 18 than he did in 19, I really would love to know why. Is it just that the guys uh, he trusts have left? Why was DeAndre Swift the only guy in that offense? So again, like I, there's some gonna be some guys that uh, that uh, they like at quarterback who might be there when they pick in the third round, or maybe towards the end of the second, maybe they trade up because they have three third round picks. So when you have a lot of those options, I, I think I think there's a lot you can do with that for them. Uh, and then they also have you know, a very high fourth-round pick as well. So the Raiders, 
is this I guess it has to be a question of is this like a, a make it or break it thing for Gruden? Is it make it break? Is it a make it or break it year for Carr? I think definitely for Carr. You have Mariota sitting there, and if you're really worried that much where you had to get Mariota, you might as well look into maybe getting another quarterback into that room. Now I don't know if I'd take one with the first round pick, at least not where it sits. Because, like, I have enough options in that quarterback room, and you're not going to get a, a third guy a lot of reps in camp, So, especially with a shortened, condensed camp. But it might give you the opportunity to walk away from both of those guys and go into next year with maybe a guy who you feel a little bit more hopeful with. So may, I think one of those third-round picks is a quarterback this year. Uh, the Raiders, I don't know. Uh, I liked Josh Jacobs. I like Darren Waller. Uh Tyrell Williams showed he, you know, if you're actually willing to throw the deep ball, you can get it to him. And it's a, it's a team that the holes are looking less holy, right? Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to fix pass rush in this draft. It's just not a good pass rush draft. The the one guy, like, the you know, where they are in their, their second pick, maybe A.J. Epinesa or Caleb on Chase on. I, you know, like... I'm not. I'm not comfortable with either of those guys. I'm really not. I'm. I'm not, again. Like I think that's a when we get into when I do defensive line, uh, you're gonna hear my opinions on some of these guys. And I think that there's a, a good reason why you can look at these guys and go, okay, like there's opportunity there. There's something, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like I definitely don't feel great about them in the first round. But like I said, it's there's a lot of like uh, what I would call like second round guys who. Are probably going to go in the first because it's just it's a very um it's it's a very me like middling like there's a lot of like guys who could probably go day two or day like first or se uh, second and third round grades there's probably a bunch of uh, true first round grades like I said before there's probably about fifteen so it, it, you're going to want to grab what you can as far as the first round grade guys go but then also try to get opportunities to maybe take multiple swings up at bat. Uh, and that's really the Raiders, man. I, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I think I was a little bit more impressed last year from Oakland, but still, I think they need to either de get Derek Carr to put his foot on the pedal or get off the, you know, get off the shit can, man. So I actually am doing three teams today, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the third team I'm doing very awkward for me to do. Because, uh, you know, this, guy, this team's in my division. I don't speak highly of them very often. Uh, I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Uh, don't have a first-round pick. Uh, they have a compensatory third, or they have a late third-round pick. I think it's either a compensatory pick. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this team, clearly. Uh, but with with uh, the Steelers, right? So no first-round pick. Big Ben's coming back off of Tommy John surgery. He's, uh, I'm not quite sure what he's going to be when he comes back. Uh, they've got Mason Rudolph in the building, who I don't think played very well. And that guy, Duck Hodges, is in the building. And I, I you know, I thought he, you know, he didn't kill him until he did kill him. So, it, it, it they're a weird team, right? It's, they got a lot of first-round picks on that defense, right? They tagged Bud Dupree. They uh, they signed Eric Ebron in free agency, which is rare. They signed any free agents, but they they did. They signed a free agent. They're not the Packers from like the the Wolf era, uh, like, you know, they, or the Thompson era. They're they're not that bad, but they're still. I would still argue that they uh, they, they don't really overly pursue in free agency. They try to find like quick small deals, and they only do one or two guys. 
That being said, they released Mark Barron, so that's one guy who's not on their defense anymore. Um, not that he was really doing good for them on defense. They uh, they uh, they lost Javon Hargrave in free agency to the Philadelphia Eagles. They uh, they signed a bunch of XFL guys, right? Uh, in fact, Corbett, uh, the Kevin Corbett said uh, that the the GM was like really leaning hard on the XFL. He wanted three extra rounds in this draft, which I just did not think was ever going to happen. But again, like he he's like, listen, we're going to have to lean on the XFL because we're not going to get to really gauge a lot of these guys in the draft. I think that's an interesting take on it. I mean, you've had a lot of opportunity to watch film of these guys in college. I, I don't think the XFL was much better at being able to maybe get like a full idea or briefing on some of these guys. I guess it's just the opportunity to sign them now and not have to wait to the draft. But you're not going to get them in the room anyway. So I don't know. It was uh, it was an interesting choice of words. Ramon Foster retired. Uh, amazing right guard, elite right guard. Uh, was a stalwart of their offensive line. So you're losing a very key piece in that player. Uh, like I said, before they franchised uh, Bud Dupree, they uh, they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. That's why they don't have a first round pick this year. They uh, they're missing a third rounder because it was part of their trade last year to the Broncos to get Devin Bush. Or uh, uh, so now you got you got a team that's kind of at a weird crossroads with their quarterback room. Uh, can Ben Roethlisberger bounce back? Their offensive line is kind of in a weird situation right now they don't have Mike Munchak anymore to be like that go offensive line coach although they do believe in the guy they have now which I totally understand you know you have the guy in the building you probably do believe in him and I you know I with the Steelers it just seems like there's if I was a Steelers fan I would be worried uh, I say this clearly as a as a not Steelers fan but like I if I'm a Steelers fan, I want to see moves, A, at trying to get a quarterback in there, even if it's a second-round guy. But, like, again, it's kind of the question of what are you going to do? Are you going to try and get, you know, trade up and get Jordan Love, right? Do what the, the Ravens did and trade, trade a second-round pick next year so you can move up into the first round and get Jordan Love? Is that going to really make you that much better? Uh, are you going to draft Jalen Hurst? Like, if you're not in the top of the first round, it's a very hard situation to try and get uh, – a really good player and again their receiving situation so we never really got to see what life was like for Juju Smith-Schuster without Antonio Brown because he had Ben Roethlisberger gone by like week two and when you have Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges throwing you the ball and everybody's double teaming you they're not trusting you to go ahead and beat guys like the way Ben Roethlisberger trusted you to beat beat defensive backs so the the Steelers are in a weird pickle right they uh, they lose a couple of defensive guys. They lose a couple of offensive guys. Uh, and I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I got to tell you, he's probably my favorite guy on all the Steelers. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is one of my favorite players. I love the draft. Oh, when he came out in the draft, I love the guy. Uh, and I just I, I thought that he, I just like him. I liked him coming out of USC. Uh, I'm a big fan of Juju. Uh, even though I'm not a Steelers fan, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. And I think he is uh, – I, I don't think he is the level of talent of what Antonio Brown was because I don't think a lot of, you know, receivers are. 
I think he is in the very good category receiver. I think he does need at least one running mate to help pull something away. So are they going to go receiver in this draft, especially in that deep receiver draft where, you know, again, the GM said you could probably get a receiver in the fourth round or fifth round and get starters. Uh, and it's a weird thing. A guy who is so worried about, like, the evals and the medicals is saying you can get, like, a starter in the fourth or fifth round. That's a very, like, back-and-forth kind of feel on this draft. Um, I'm not saying I disagree. I think there's a lot of good players in this draft. Receiver's a very deep position in this draft. Uh, they might want to start looking at corner because, again, they, they probably still need to keep adding pieces to the back end of that defense. It's a... Uh, it's an interesting room in there. It's a, uh, again, like their defense ba basically carried them through games last year. You know, are they going to look at running back? Like, again, James Conner did not stay healthy last year. You know, are you really going to believe in Benny Snell? Um, Jalen Samuels is a, is an interesting gadget guy, but I can't really say I'd really want him being like a leader of a backfield for an extended period of time. And then when you look at their receiver room, I like how Deontay Johnson played. Again, another really good guy that came out, you know, the last couple of years. Uh, Toledo product. Uh, James Washington. I'm still mixed on James Washington. I still haven't seen enough out of him in the NFL to make me feel like I, I would definitely want to, you know, buy in on his uh, production. But I don't know. It's a it's a weird situation. I I know for me again, like I and I I do like the tight end room because Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron or at least an intriguing coupling. But it almost kind of makes me go, like, I don't want anything to do with that tight end room in fantasy football, right? I got to start talking about fantasy once we start getting into the, the bulk of this, but I felt like it was, I'd have to keep on resetting myself, get from free agency to the draft. So we're going to get into free agency. We're going to get into the fantasy football, at least like kind of as a reactionary thing at the end of this. But that's one of the things that I think is a good point is, it, all it makes me want to do is avoid this tight end room when we get into to fantasy drafts next year, if there even is a fantasy football next year. Um, I I can definitely see them taking a, a quarterback. I could see them taking a, a running back. Like I said before, it's a deep draft. You might have a couple of opportunities at some good players in this draft. Uh, and, I, I mean, I feel like their receiving core is okay, but they're just missing, like, again, another oomph guy. And I don't think you're going to get that where they're drafting. I, the thing is, when they trade away a lot of those picks, they missed the opportunity to get some real impact players. They better hope they can at least get something in this draft. Uh, but I honestly, again, like, I, I think Tom, here's the thing. Let me speak highly of this team. I think Tomlin is an amazing coach. I think Tomlin is probably, you know, I, I, the jury's out on Stefanski because he's just coming in. But you can't, you can't say anything about him right now. So, He's clearly, and then, but he's got to be in the same division as John Harbaugh, who is again another great head coach. You know, Tomlin is, but I like Tomlin a lot, and I think he's just done so well as a head coach. Um, he's a leader among men. I'm not like that is of these teams. I you know, these are all like Seattle. Okay, so Seattle and Pittsburgh are really well coached teams. I'm not entirely sure about Oakland. So that's my assessment of it. Looking forward to 2020. Uh, all these are these teams I think are potential, you know, playoff berths next year because Big Ben can come back and be better than ever. You never know with the Tommy John, right? We've never really seen that in the NFL. 
uh, of recent, like uh, of any quarterback really having to come back from that recently. Uh, Oakland, again, they just keep building up, and it seems like they are getting the pieces that they want. So I hopefully, you know, we saw you play okay last year. Hopefully going into next year, you will have all the pieces together and you will make a playoff run. And Seattle is always a perennial playoff contender. So with that, I bid you adieu. If you want to follow the podcast, follow it at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like, uh, like what you do with that thing that is your hand when you close it and put it in somebody's face, right? Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, like it, subscribe, leave a comment, and uh, again... I think next week is when I'm going to announce this new project I'm working on. Uh, in, I don't know if people will like it or not. I'll maybe I'll put a little promo. Uh, I, it is a uh, very different thing than what I'm doing right now. So keep an eye out. It's going to be called Punk Law 101. Very confusing name. It has more to do with what I do in my real life. Uh, follow it on Instagram and Twitter as well. And uh, on, on iTunes, write, leave a review, screenshot the review, send it to us, right? Send it to us. Say, hey, we went ahead and reviewed. And, uh, you know, preferably five stars, right? Anyway, um, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are doing a live stream on draft night. Uh, it'll be me and uh, one of my compatriots who you've seen on here quite a few times. Uh, we will be watching the draft, and we will be commenting. Uh, and come in, watch, hang out, and tune in, and see you next week. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future.